The world is crazy, it's pretty clear. You need to know why, how it affects the lives of those we hold so dear. I can't explain everything, but together, maybe we can find our way. Aren't you tired of the violence, the hatred, the racism? We need a brand new day. And what about climate change, housing that's substandard but still unaffordable, and our public education system that favors some and leaves so many others behind? But who's going to pay? And then there are the jobs with wages so low they make you feel worthless as you struggle to pay the rent and all the other bills piled high. Yes, we need a brand new day. Is there enough hope among us to overcome despair? Enough wisdom to overcome ignorance? Enough generosity to overcome deprivation? Enough goodness to overcome all those who claim to be patriots but hate their government? We need a brand new day. That's right, a brand new day. This is Lehigh Valley Discourse, only on WDIY, and I'm your host, Alan Jennings. Yes, you're listening to the Jennings Report on WDIY, and I have Pennsylvania's Attorney General and Democratic nominee for Governor Josh Shapiro with me for tonight's show. If elected, he would succeed Tom Wolf, who is term-limited and ineligible for a third term. And yet again, the Republican candidate ignored our attempts to reach him. We tried to find him on the web. His website only allowed me to donate or volunteer. It gave no contact information, no phone number, no email, no smoke signals, or any other way of uh, reaching the Republican candidate. So we finally sent a regular old letter to him. Nothing. So Pennsylvania Senator Doug Mastriano, one of Donald J. Trump's most ardent co-conspirators on the January 6th coup d'etat, isn't interested in the votes of WDIY's listeners. I don't know if they're scared of me. If so, I'd be flattered. Hate the mainstream media, of which WDIY is a part through their affiliation with NPR, or what, but I'm not going to punish Josh Shapiro for being perfectly willing to take the entire show to talk about his candidacy and his positions for the future of Pennsylvania. Josh Shapiro, welcome to the Jennings Report. Thanks, Alan. It's good to, good to be with you, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to talk with you and to make sure that we answer your questions. So thanks for having me. Well, th- let me start by giving you a minute or two to simply introduce yourself to voters who might not have been paying attention much uh, before Labor Day. Just tell them who you are and what your candidacy is all about. Well, the most important thing you need to know about me, Josh Shapiro, is I'm grounded in my family and in my faith. Lori and I are blessed with four children. We live in Montgomery County. Um, it's where I was raised and now where we're raising our family. My family grounds me and my faith teaches me to work for others in the community, to try and make our world a bit of a better place. And so I'm proud to serve as Pennsylvania's twice-elected attorney general, and now I'm running for governor. And I've spent months traveling across Pennsylvania, doing a whole lot of listening, listening to the worries of people in the Lehigh Valley and across the Commonwealth about rising costs, about quality of their kids' education, about mental health, about public safety, about protecting people's fundamental rights and freedoms. And so As I travel, I talk about how we're going to grow our economy and make safe communities, how we're going to invest in education, do away with things like standardized tests, bring in vocational and technical and computer training, make sure we have a mental health counselor in every single school building, make sure we have safe communities by hiring more police and bringing the police and the community closer together, and to continue my work as I've done as Attorney General, to be on the front lines of protecting people's rights, whether it's a woman's right to make decisions over her own bodies or protecting your right to vote. These are the things that are near and dear to my heart and I know on the minds of Pennsylvanians. And I'll be a governor who brings Republicans, Democrats, Independents together to actually get things done. 
You spoke at an event I helped organize here in the Lehigh Valley by a coalition of groups that called itself the Color of Justice. That morphed into a staffed advocacy group called the Lehigh Valley Justice Institute, which is working on criminal justice reform. You are too, obviously, which is why 175 people attended the luncheon. In your lexicon, what is criminal justice reform and will it be a part of the Shapiro administration's priority agenda? Well, it's been part of my priority as attorney general, and it'll continue to be uh, part of my priorities as governor. To me, criminal justice reform is about creating fairness, making sure that people aren't just safe in their community, but that they feel safe, making sure that our criminal justice system treats everyone fairly, no matter what they look like or where they come from, who they love or who they pray to. I think if you look at my record, we got a strong record of reforming our justice system while making sure people are safe. For example, I brought the police, you know, the law enforcement community and reform advocates together to create for the first time ever a police misconduct database in Pennsylvania. As attorney general, I've directed my agents to ban chokeholds and to not charge low-level possessions of marijuana. We've reformed our bail system in the AG's office. We've created a diversity and inclusion office to ensure that we treat everybody fairly and responsibly and respectfully. We've diversified our office so the leadership of my team reflects the people of Pennsylvania um, that I was sworn to serve. I think reform isn't just about policies, though. It's about giving a damn. I hope I can say damn on your show because you got to give I've a damn. I've done it once or twice. <laughs> you got to give a damn to go out and address the systemic inequities that exist. And that's what I'll do as governor. And we're going to work together, Republicans, Democrats, to invest in mental health and treatment and more specialty courts that's going to help reform our system. We're finally going to fund indigent defense. For those of you who don't know, we're the only state in the nation that doesn't fund public defenders, you know, from the state level. It's oftentimes only done... Uh, through the county level. I think we should reform our probation and parole system. I think we need to legalize marijuana and expunge records and invest and expunge records of those who are convicted of possessing small amounts of marijuana. We know that that hit communities of color particularly hard. And we need to invest in communities that have been disproportionately and negatively affected by our criminal justice system. I'll do that work as governor. I've done a lot of it as attorney general. And I know how to bring people together to get it done. Well, I wish you would have been around in 1975 when I was arrested for possession. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, maybe, maybe we can expunge that record. When well, we it should be. It was a juvenile, so I think it's, I think it's gone. The, you know, the mm -hmm. world is a really ugly place these days, and it, it's softly divided. It's likely that both the House and Senate will continue to have Republican majorities that will surely try to McConnell your agenda. Yeah. McConnell, I'm using as a verb, right? So if you're going to have the Republicans controlling both the House and Senate, how are you going to get your positions uh, approved, and, and how are you going to pull this off? It's just such an unpleasant world to try to get anything done anymore. Well, look, I'm someone who has a long history in public service of bringing Republicans and Democrats together to actually find common ground and get things done. I'm mindful of the fact that, as governor, I can't get everything done that, that I want. But I'll tell you what, the Republican legislature, they're not going to get everything done they want. But we can find common ground around things that are going to make our lives better, like hiring more police or putting a mental health counselor in our, in our school building, making sure we have more vocational, technical training for our uh, young people, investing in apprenticeship programs. These are not ideas that should divide Democrats and Republicans, but they're actually things that help Pennsylvanians 
that should bring us together. So I'm uh, the only candidate with a long track record of bringing people together to actually get things done, and that's what I'll do as governor. And frankly, what I think the good people of Pennsylvania want, they're tired of the chaos. They're tired of the division. This guy I'm running against is so extreme and so dangerous and so divisive. Folks don't want that. What they want is someone who's going to go to work every day to try and make their lives better. And that's what I've got a track record of doing, and that's what I'll do as their governor. You're listening to the Jennings Report on WDIY. This is I'm your host, Alan Jennings. And tonight I have on my show is my guest, Josh Shapiro. His opponent, Doug Mastriano, did not respond to repeated attempts to reach him. And so the attorney general is going to get the entire show to talk about his candidacy. Josh, why are you a Democrat? Was, was there a song, an incident, an influential person in your life, the values that you bring to your position as a Democrat? Why are you a Democrat? You know, I think it goes back to how I was raised. I and mean, I was raised in a home where I watched my parents serve the community. Uh, my mom was a public school teacher and then an educator. My dad, the local pediatrician. But more, more than the jobs they did, they were always just involved in their community in helping others. So I saw that at an early age. And the teachings of, of my faith have brought me into service with this perspective as well. You know, I cite nearly everywhere I go a portion of my scripture. And to be clear, I'm not here to preach at anybody or tell you what to believe or even to believe at all. But you ask the questions, so I want to answer it you know, in a real personal way, my scripture teaches me that no one is required to complete the task, but neither are we free to refrain from it. And and I learned that at an early age. And really what it means to me is each of us has a responsibility to get off the sidelines, get in the game and, and do our part. And so I've always found a home in the Democratic Party because I think it's a party focused on helping lift people up, focused on trying to help people no matter you know, what they look like or where they come from, who they love, who they pray to, trying to make the world a bit of a better place for everybody. And so, you know, really, I think it's the influence of my family, my upbringing, my faith that has brought me to the Democratic Party. I've been a proud Democrat my whole life. How does the Shapiro administration deal with the Dobbs decision by the Supreme Court? Well, look, the Dobbs decision, for your listeners who aren't aware, that was the Supreme Court decision a couple months ago that overturned Roe v. Wade, overturned the U.S. constitutional protection for abortion. And and in effect, what Dobbs said is that it's going to be left up to the states and state right. law. So I'll answer your question about what I will do, but I think it's important to just kind of restate state law in Pennsylvania. State law, which is now in effect because of the Dobbs decision, says that a woman here in Pennsylvania can have an abortion up to and through 23 weeks of her pregnancy. And then from week 24 on, if her life or health is at risk. We know that this legislature is poised to pass more bans on abortion. And my opponent has said it is his number one priority. Those are his words, not mine. Number one priority to ban all abortion. Mm. By the way, with no exception, not in the case of rape or incest or even to save the life of the woman. And he wants to jail doctors who perform them. That's his position that he's articulated. So he will sign that bill into law banning abortion in Pennsylvania. I will veto that bill when it reaches my desk and trust the women of Pennsylvania to make decisions over their own bodies. You know, there's not a shortage of hot topic matters here. I'd, I'd love to continue that, but let's go move on to some other issues. Uh, the coal industry in, in northeast Pennsylvania is hanging hang on by a thread. 
Solving the climate catastrophe will certainly kill plenty of jobs. It might cost more, and ultimately, it is likely that Cole's demise will put the finishing touches on some of the, many of the small towns of northeast Pennsylvania. So you've got a tough balancing act here. Is it a balancing act, or is there clear, crystal clear public policy that requires bold leadership to adopt? How do you take on this, this issue? Yeah, I, I don't see it as a balancing act. I'm, I'm using your, your terminology. I actually, and I say this with the utmost respect, Alan, I reject that false choice, that idea that we have to choose between the dignity of work and environmental justice. Hmm. I will embrace Pennsylvania's role as an energy powerhouse. We'll be an all-of-the-above energy state. That'll be my priority and my strategy as governor. We're going to protect the jobs we have and invest in the industries and tech of a very green future in Pennsylvania. Um, I want us to be using 30% renewable clean energy by the year 2030 here in Pennsylvania. That will allow us to protect the jobs we have and create thousands of green energy jobs tomorrow and help reduce people's energy costs in their homes. I think we need to support next generation technologies, things like hydrogen hubs and carbon capture and storage. I want to make sure that here in Pennsylvania, we are taking advantage of this unique opportunity we have. Now, I also say, as the Attorney General of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, my attitude will be the same as governor. I'm not going to tolerate a company polluting our air or water. You know, we have a constitutional right to clean air and pure water. I have filed criminal charges against fracking companies who have undermined that constitutional right. By the way, those companies have pled and accepted criminal responsibility for their conduct. So I think it's important to both protect our planet, which we can do, and create the jobs of tomorrow, which we can also do. And I think it's a false choice to say you can only do one or the other. You're listening to Josh Shapiro, candidate for governor, Democrat from uh, Pennsylvania. I'm your host on the Jennings Report, Alan Jennings. And uh, we're going to continue with uh, the line of questioning for Josh Shapiro. Uh, Josh, I hate to raise such an arcane subject, the municipality's planning code, <laughs> but it's a terrible obstruction of socioeconomic justice in the Commonwealth in many ways. You know, they, they, they don't have any uh, provisions for affordable housing. The municipalities have l- minimum lot sizes that are designed to, to keep people out of their communities. The, the, one of the biggest issues in Lehigh Valley is the warehouses that are just being built over the best farmland in the United States. It's created an economic development quagmire, you know, massive, unattractive warehouses built on the best farmland, as I said. What kind, do you have any agenda with the municipality's planning code, and, and what, is, what is that, if you do? Well, first off, look at my record. I mean, I served in local government. I was the chairman of the Montgomery County Commissioners, and so I know that local government is where, oftentimes, where the rubber meets the road, and how important it is to work closely with local government one of the reasons why I've said we would do away with unfunded mandates in Pennsylvania that oftentimes put extraordinary pressure on local governments, that we want to update our outdated codes. I know they're burdensome and costly for local governments, Uh, but I don't think a top-down approach where the governor dictates to local governments how it should be is the right way. We're going to bring everybody to the table and then work with the legislature, and I think this is another area where we can find bipartisan consensus, work with the legislature to update the codes in the areas where we need it, like, for example, in the infrastructure and public safety and education. So there's a lot of things we can do together, and that'll be a priority of mine as governor, and 
again, I'll be able to bring to the conversation a local government's perspective, having served in, uh, as the head county commissioner in Montgomery County. The way we fund public education, this is sort of a side, uh, this, this connects to the municipality's planning code. The way we fund public education is the most, I think, the most effective trick we have to lock educational apartheid into our society. Is it a priority? And if so, what's the plan? Well, look, I think we need to build opportunity for every Pennsylvania student. And we have seen for too long schools, you know, predominantly in rural and urban communities, be chronically underfunded which takes away opportunities for students. Uh, we've seen this, for example, in the Allentown School District um, in the Lehigh Valley, just a district that's been chronically underfunded where students need help and they're not able to get it. But I think it's more, and so as governor, I will invest in those schools and fully fund them. In fact, as Attorney General, I signed on to a legal brief recently saying that the current funding structure is unconstitutional because we're not meeting our obligation to all of our children. But as governor, after fully funding our schools, I think it's important for folks to understand, I don't think writing the check to the school districts is enough. I think you need to go beyond that when we fund our schools to invest in things that really matter, like prioritizing kids' mental health. So putting a mental health counselor in every single school building, ending our reliance on standardized testing, and then putting real resources into investing in vocational and technical and computer education. Ensuring that things like arts and humanities and music find their way back into our studies for our, our kids and ensure that parents are engaged in their kids' education. I plan to appoint two parents to our state board of education so parents can be part of helping develop the next generation. I think that's very, very important. I say that not as the attorney general. I say that not as God willing, next governor. I say that as a father of four school-age kids. Actually, my daughter would be upset if I said that. Three school-age <laughs> kids and a, and a, and a college-age daughter. Um, but nevertheless, I think it's important that parents be involved in their kids' education, and they will be when I'm governor. You know, you, you get into issues like Brown versus Board of Education and so on. But, you know, the, the research has said that the most important determinant of the quality of a school system is the concentration of poverty. This gets back to the municipalities planning code. We basically stick all the poor people in one place, and then we tisk tisk the school district for not being able to, you know, make uh, test scores as well as they they are in the richest town, you know, school districts next door. Is there a a way that I mean, does that find its way to your agenda? You know, basically creating more diverse communities where you don't have all the poor people on one in one place and all the people of with of means in another place. Well, I think what's clear is that poverty is a driver of worse outcomes in our schools, of higher levels of violence in our communities, and of a whole host of other challenges. And so if we're going to meet the needs that we see in communities across Pennsylvania that are struggling, you got to focus on dealing with poverty. That's true in parts of Lehigh Valley. It's true in Harrisburg and Hazleton, Reading, Philadelphia, Chester, communities all across Pennsylvania where we see higher levels of poverty you see more challenging uh, circumstances and, and worse outcomes for uh, all of our kids. Not, uh, pardon me, not all of our kids, but some of our kids in spoke. And so it's important that we, we invest in dealing with poverty, and that is something that I will do as governor, and I think it's in everyone's interest to make sure that we lift those communities up. You're listening to Josh Shapiro, the current Attorney General in Pennsylvania, Democratic candidate for governor. I'm your host on the Jennings Report, Alan Jennings. This is WDIY. And uh, we've got uh, the full time with Josh Shapiro because 
State Senator Doug Mastriani did not return our calls, did not respond to our attempts to reach him, and so Josh Shapiro's got the whole time with us, which is just fine with me. President Biden's student loan forgiveness initiative has some people saying he's like the antichrist, others saying it doesn't go nearly far enough. Do you have a, do you have a plan for educating our workforce without saddling it with unsustainable debt? Yeah, look, as Attorney General, I've been out front on the issue of student debt. In fact, I took on the largest student loan company. It's called Navient. It used to be called Sally May. Took them to court and won. I took on for-profit colleges who ripped off students and their families and won. And as a result of, of our work, we were able to cancel over $130 million in student debt for Pennsylvania students and their families. That's real money. So I'm going to continue to hold those predatory lenders accountable. I also think that we need to invest more in higher education. Our community colleges, our state system schools, like a Westchester University, for example, our state-related schools, like a Temple or Penn State, Pitt, Lincoln, they've been chronically underfunded. I think we're 48th in the nation in investing in higher education. So we've got to make sure that if a student decides they want to go to college, that we need to create a more affordable path for them to get there and reduce their debt. You know, on the revenue side of the financial statements for the state, there's a lot of chatter around taxes. Senator Lisa Boscola, who's very popular here in Lehigh Valley, wants to reduce and eventually eliminate property taxes, for example. And in the current budget for 22-23, uh, they cut the uh, corporate net income tax. What is, in your judgment, an appropriate mix of revenue sources for the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania? Uh, my view is that our tax structure, particularly the taxes on businesses and small businesses especially, is unfair. We have the second highest business tax rate in the nation. I have called to aggressively cut that all the way down to right now it's 9.99%. I want it to be 4% by the year 2025, which is far more aggressive than anything my opponent has even proposed. I think that's an area, by the way, where I can get support from across the aisle. And it's something that's really going to help businesses be able to keep more of their hard-earned money to invest it back in their workforce to raise wages, invest it back in their product lines or the services that they provide. We need to unleash our economy in Pennsylvania to create more opportunities. And to do that, I think we need to reform our business tax structure and reduce the business tax burden and invest more in our workforce. Josh, I'd like to pursue that a little bit more, but we're running out of time here. Let's um, give you an opportunity to kind of give a closing pitch, recognizing that your opponent is not here and able to do that, which is um, his uh, choice, his decision. But uh, just take the last minute or so to, to, uh, to offer your closing comments on why Josh Shapiro. Well, first off, Alan, I want to thank you for having me on. Um, as, as you and others in our media here in Pennsylvania know, I like to answer the tough questions, and I appreciate you asking them. I think the good people of Pennsylvania deserve to know where their elected officials and, and would-be governors stand on the issues. So thank you for having me on. Thank you, Josh. I guess I would just say to your listeners, this is a moment where we need to come together. And we're seeing that in my campaign, Republicans, Democrats, independents joining our campaign, not just endorsing us um, in terms of Republican officials, but, you know, Republicans putting signs on their lawn and saying, you know, Doug Mastriano is a bridge too far. He's just far too dangerous, far too extreme. The idea that he's out courting white supremacists to be part of his campaign, is, as he's done. The idea that he dressed up in a Confederate uniform on the grounds of the Army War College. 
Army War College here in Carlisle, Pennsylvania, said it doesn't reflect their values. I don't think it reflects the values of everyday Pennsylvanians either. Um, this election is about someone who can bring people together and get things done versus someone who is a dangerous extremist. I'm someone who's taken on big fights throughout my career and gotten big things done for people. It would be the honor of my lifetime to serve as your governor. I'll work every day, work my tail off every day for you, trying to make our Commonwealth a bit of a better place, a bit of a more fair and just place, a bit of a place where more people have an opportunity to get ahead. And so if you give me that opportunity, know I'll be a governor that protects your rights and freedoms. Know I'll be a governor that invests in our education and public safety and grows our economy. And I'll look forward, God willing, as Governor Allen, to come back on your program and answer questions uh, on a regular basis. So thanks for having me on. Attorney General Josh Shapiro, candidate for governor. Josh, thanks so much for joining me on the Jennings Report on WDIY. Thank you. Good luck. You've been listening to the Jennings Report on WDIY. I'm your host, Alan Jennings. Next up, my final thoughts. We're going to take a quick break. Stick around. The following thoughts and opinions do not necessarily reflect those of WDIY, its affiliates, staff, members, and volunteers. Welcome back to the Jennings Report on WDIY. I'm your host, Alan Jennings, and these are my final thoughts. Donald J. Trump was guilty long ago. I remember listening in on one of the news programs on which he intimated that the only way he could lose the 2020 election is if his opponents cheated. He went on to claim that there would be millions of angry people, his people, in the streets venting their alienation. So he really didn't need to go through all the hearings, investigations, and the drama. He warned us. He acted on his threats, guilty. There was a time when such behavior would lead to a brief session with a firing squad. Years ago, Fox News created the cartoon version of the 21st century robber baron who got his yayas out by firing people. Co-conspirators included the networks that ran his stupid reality TV shows, the advertisers, and the producers. And here we are today with the freak show that their collective efforts hath wrought. The multiplicity of his crimes, the violation of the Espionage Act, his use of fraudulent appraisals, his stoking of domestic terrorists as part of a coup d'etat, have been utterly brazen in their audacity. The reach of his abuse of power makes that little break-in that, that occurred along the Potomac some 45 years ago seem like some kid soaping your parents' car windows at Halloween. I hate that he has legitimized lying. Every time he opens his mouth, he lies. More amazing is how many of you either don't realize it or simply just don't care. But I can't imagine anyone would find it acceptable to spend your life lying to others. Nor is that a model for our children. And why would a candidate want to be endorsed by a liar? Why would someone vote for that liar? I hate how he uses the language of a 14-year-old when he expresses his own disdain for others. I hate how the only person in the world who is a real constituent of Donald J. Trump is Donald J. Trump. And his supporters are apparently blissfully unable to see that he simply doesn't care about them. And then there is his record as an entrepreneur. Multiple bankruptcies. He brags about taking advantage of the rules, sort of like the folks on welfare are accused of doing cheating on his taxes, the cost of which gets shifted to us regular folks, and committing fraud with corrupt appraisers, one of the oldest tricks in the book. And now he can add the exposure of our spies due to his autocratic belief that he is omnipotent and has no boundaries. Donald J. Trump is the Osama bin Laden of the radical American right, the terrorist who launched an insurrection on our capital. Just a week or so ago, that wacky senator from South Carolina, Lindsey Graham, warned that Trump's terrorists will be taken to the streets if we enforce the laws like we do with regular Americans. 
The January 6th crowd is Donald J. Trump's own private militia. If the prosecutors minimize the damage and therefore the charges, many people here and throughout the world will be even more cynical. The liars will be emboldened. The good people who will stay, will stay home and Machiavelli's prince will be spared yet again for his excesses. If you're a Republican and don't believe the cockamamie conspiracy theories, you should join Congresswoman Liz Cheney and Congressman Adam Kinzinger in expressing your outrage. Stop telling the pollsters that you have a shred of respect for the former president and take back your party from the weirdos, the hacks, and the armed militias. Candidly, I hate Donald J. Trump. My wife doesn't like my using that word, but I'm just being honest. Not an easy trait to find in the era of Donald J. Trump. And you know, I really don't care if I offend anyone with my stridency. He and his terrorists and their sympathizers are in pursuit of their own brand of jihad. They don't like having to cater to women, poor people, people of color, gay and lesbian, people who think breathing clean air is good, public education and safe streets are achievable, and Vladimir Putin is the devil incarnate. The Trump people claim to love their country, but they hate their government and are doing all they can to prove it can't work. They hate democracy because they are losing their hold on their status as the white majority in America. I worry that he is being modeled by lots of disaffected souls who will contribute to the coarseness of what used to be our civil society as we move ahead. Donald J. Trump is guilty. He's guilty of all of it. I know it, and you know it. If you love your country, it's time to join the ranks of the honest. And those are my final thoughts. I'm Alan Jennings on The Jennings Report. And WDIY, thanks for joining us. Hope you come back next time.